Hello, I'm Patrick Chavis, and you're listening to L.A. Theatre Bites, and I'm here with the writer and director of a new play called Podcast, being performed at the Hollywood Fringe um, this year, 2017. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about your play Podcast, which, you know, we're we're talking about a podcast play on a podcast. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I know, right? It's kind of like a play within a play sort of situation. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a play that I've been, um, thinking about, um, producing for some time. The story has been with me for a while, and, um, it's gone through so many different types of rewrites and different storylines, and, um, yeah, I finally have a storyline that I'm really proud of and that I've been working on for the past couple of months and decided to, uh, produce it in the Fringe this summer. So, yeah, the basic, the basic storyline is about an aspiring podcaster um, that doesn't really have his life together. He lives in Boston, he's um, 26, he just left his job in accounting. And the one thing that he really has to look forward to is this podcast um, that he does out of his small little apartment. And he's a really smart, intelligent person, but his problem is that he doesn't really know how to connect with people. He, um, he cuts people off, he, he doesn't really listen to them, and as a result of that, his podcast is somewhat of a failure. And um, his best friend is his producer and um, really tries to let him know that he needs to listen to people and he needs to learn how to connect with people or else nothing's going to happen with his podcast. And um, fortunately, he ends up talking to a retired rock musician who is one of his idols this man named Mr. Teese, who played for a um, one of the most successful rock bands in history of rock and roll, at least according to the story. And the, the two of them um, get into a great conversation almost by accident. And they learn how to connect, and then after that conversation, it sort of sets off a chain of events that shows Charlie, that's the, um, that's the protagonist, kind of shows him that he does have what it takes to um, be a podcaster. And the story is basically a series of three interviews or, or podcasts, and in between the interviews is a love story that takes place. And um, if you could call it a love story, it's more of a coming-of-age story, um, but it has to do with love and friendship. And um, the basic storyline, the basic theme of the whole play is about finding um, connection through conversation in a culture that values face-to-face conversation less and less. And there's a pretty big twist at the end of the second act leading into the third act, and I don't really want to spoil that for the viewers or the listeners, but um, you'll just have to come see the show to find out what happens to this uh, aspiring podcaster. What I'm, yeah. cu- what I'm curious about is it's such a, weird situ- it's such a weird situation, me being a podcaster, because I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand that listening is a big part of being being a podcaster, doing anything with communication. So the first thing in my mind is, it's weird that there would be a character that is like doesn't like listening, but wants to go yeah. into a field that's pretty much fifty percent about listening. It's that's that's quite bizarre. Like why? Uh, what interests a character like that in doing podcasts if he doesn't actually care about hearing other people's stories and stuff? Well, so see, so that's the um, that's the caveat to hit the whole situation is because I think people who have successful podcasts 
um, like yourself, who learn, who know how to listen to people and know how to ask ask know how to ask good questions, should be um, podcast hosts. And in the beginning, this is a um, a guy who's never had his own podcast. But what he's done is he's listened to a lot of podcasts. That's pretty much um, what he what he's been doing for like a long time. It's just been listening to other people have conversations, which I think podcasts are very important. And I think they they um, they can be really um, really moving. And I think podcasts are almost like a new sort of art form. But I think like any art form. Um, it can be sort of abused, you know, and mm-hmm. um, like how people watch TV too much, you know, that, that, that is all they do. People just sit around listening to music, you know, it's kind of some people just listen to podcasts, you know, and they sort of rely like connection on that. And that he's that like that sort of person who just listens to podcasts over and over again, but he doesn't actually engage with people in his everyday life. And he sort of, he, he learns that during the course of the play is that, he needs to um, get his shit together, basically, and needs to <laughs> learn the art of conversation before he can actually even call himself a podcaster. Right. Do you like find some pieces of yourself in this character? Not being maybe you oh, didn't yeah. listen. Or, yeah. Yeah. The play is um, first of all, yeah. The play is, was very autobiographical, um, and I ended up. I was gonna end up because I'm a I'm a actor writer um, out here, and I. Um, I, I ended up wanting to produce it and star in it, but then I got so attached to the story and how I would how I would direct the story that I ended up um, choosing to direct it somewhat last minute. Hmm. And um, this, this, so yeah, it's a very personal, very personal piece. And a lot of the characters are um, very much based off of people I know in my own life. And the actual storyline um, came from a. Um, came from a project that I did my senior year of college. I was a, um, I was a sociology and um, theater double major, and as my senior thesis, um, what, I, what I did was a, I conducted a sociological study of the friend zone. Do you, you know what the friend zone is, Patrick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, known, I've known about it. Um, I'd like to think that I was never in it, but I, I'm sure I have been. <laughs> ah, geez, good for you. You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was definitely a um, a part of my life in college. Yeah. So um, and and uh, during the uh, my professor kept telling us to write about what you know, write about something that's personal. And um, the friend zone, even though it's not necessarily a social issue, I think it's a very human issue. Um, yeah. and okay. I kind of wanted to learn more about it. Um, so you, anyway, the, how you, the, um, how you did this senior thesis was, it was a research project. So you had to pick a topic that you were close to, uh, mine was the friend zone and you either, either had the option to, um, research it by having people fill out questionnaires or you could conduct hour long interviews with people. Right. And everyone, everyone opted to do the, um, Everyone opted to do the questionnaires because that was easier, and it was more quantitative, I guess. But hmm. I thought it would have been more interesting to conduct these interviews. Okay. So I, um, yeah, so I talked to about twenty different people, and kind of similar to what you're doing with the with the fringe people. Um, a lot of people I I, I didn't know. Um, I kind of found them by, um, randomly, and you give someone um, a probe just about the uh, about the friend zone. 
they end up going off on so many different topics, um, which, yeah. is, which, is, which I'm sure that you're getting right now with your interviews. Right, right. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? you, you never know what's going to come in. Yeah, you, ne- yeah. you never know where it's going to lead. And it was just, it was so interesting hearing these people's stories because um, you just give them one topic to go off of and they talk about so many different things and they, they re- reveal things to you that you um, would never think would happen to that certain person. And I just thought that was so interesting. And a lot of the people I interviewed ended up talking to other people um, I interviewed and like storylines were sort of intersecting and a lot of drama was already unfolding. So when I, after I graduated, I moved out here and I tried um, sort of writing that um, storyline at the screenplay, like the exact storyline as a person conducting a study about the friend zone and learning all these different things about relationships. And I didn't really think that was too interesting of a storyline. So I changed it to, um, instead of a, um, a kid in school doing a project, I changed it to an aspiring, um, an aspiring, um, podcaster yeah. doing it, um, as he goes into early adulthood. Cause I, being, moving out here, I graduated about four years ago, you know, uh, it's, it's really hard trying to, um, trying to get your art recognized and expressed in a feasible way. So, um, I sort of, uh, I sort of went from that angle as a podcaster, someone who has this dream of making a podcast happen, and he interviews these different people. And in between, I got really obsessed with this idea of conversation in general. And then that's how I um, switched it around from someone doing a study to someone who um, wants to connect with people professionally but doesn't know how to connect with people. And um, that's, that was kind of the, uh, the starting point of um, when I started writing it. And I just began to see that it made more sense as a play than a screenplay. And um, after that, that's when I just started writing. I started writing these characters, um, basing them off me, basing them off my friends, and sort of just put them in certain situations. And um, then I sort of got the story from there. And um, and that was interesting that you said that. You just there. It's I I I love. When um, when I when I hear we're here when so- someone especially someone like you it seems like it seems like you would you could go in either direction you could go into theater you could go into film but you but because but and, but you could so you could go in either direction but you got to a point where you were combining all the ideas and you decided and it made sense to you that this works better in the medium of the play um, yeah wh- why what why what exactly. Why is this story better, in your mind, why is this better as a play? Well, I think in my mind, it's better um, from, a, um, from an artistic standpoint, um, but it was also very much a personal um, experience, too. In my own life, I moved out here from Boston. Um, the play also takes place in Boston. I'm from Boston originally, and um, I moved out here with the intention of working in film and television. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I studied theater um, in college, but I was kind of over theater and didn't think there was really a life there for me. So that's why I moved out here. And I ended up um, working for a uh, movie studio when I first moved out here. And uh, I worked in the sales and marketing department. And I I, I liked it. I liked the consistency of it, but um, the work was kind of hard because I was basically renting space out to all of these other artists. 
Right. And um, after a year of working there, I ended up leaving. And I just, um, I didn't really know how to produce uh, independent film or a short film by myself. Um, what I knew was theater. I studied theater for four years. I had the passion for theater. So after I left the movie studio, I ended up um, producing a play that I started in. And it was an adaptation of one of my favorite um, plays, and it was a success. And I really, um, and I really liked doing it, and I was good at it. Yeah. So I, I thought about producing the play that I adapted in the Fringe Festival last year, but all of the people I, were, I, I talked to that produced stuff in the Fringe said, "You got to do something original, man. You got to do something original, or else I don't know, people aren't going to be interested in it." So I, I didn't really have a story that I, I didn't really have a play, but I had this um, screenplay idea that I'd been somewhat developing loosely since I moved out there. And that sort of gave me the incentive to produce it by myself and really develop the storyline. Yeah. And I had the goal of putting it in the fringe. And I knew that if I signed up for the fringe, if I, um, if I like, if I register for the fringe, it would almost like light a fire under my butt to make sure it was it was great and fun and ready to go. And um, so that's it was from a personal standpoint, it would I would have had more control in seeing it done well successfully as a play as opposed to a um, a film. Um, I think that would at least for now. I just I don't really have the resources for that, but I do have the resources and um, sort of talent of doing it as a play. And also, I think it just it works as a play too because it's basically a series of conversations. Um, you know how some how some stories are um, you know character based, are spectacle based, are storyline based. This is really um, dialogue based. Like I, um, the storyline is is I think compelling, but I don't think it's terribly original. You know, an artist that can't um, doesn't really isn't really successful, and then he has a mentor that sort of shows him what's up, and it's not the most original story, I guess, but I think what's original is the, um, the writing. It's, it's very personal. It's conversations that I've, that I've had um, myself, and I think that's, that's where it lies, and I think theater um, is very much um, a, writer's, uh, a writer's medium, you know? Yeah. Whereas mostly. I feel like film and television it's very much you know the director who gets recognized but with theater it's it's the playwright who ends up living um on in infamy or uh, in um <laughs> i get you <laughs> yeah yeah i get what you yeah. said yeah. <laughs> in infamy yes yes oh you'll always you'll always remember me always yeah. whether it's good or exactly. bad exactly here's get remembered but let's never die <laughs> nice so this is your, so you've directed before, but this will be, will, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, this will be your first original play you've ever directed. Yes. Yep, I've directed um, plays before, but nothing I've ever written myself. So yeah, yeah this is, um, this is a first in a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm hoping to, um, hoping to go on because I really like having, um, all of the control because like I said with my last play I um, I ended up producing it I didn't direct it I produced it and I starred in it and I loved it I loved having more of a um, connection to the final product other than just acting in it because after I did that I acted in a Shakespeare show and it was a really fun experience but I was just acting in it and 
the um, opening night felt less special in a way because I didn't have uh, as much of a stake in it. Whereas I, I like having a stake in it. With where with this one, I I have so much. You know, I, I wrote it, I'm producing it, I'm directing it, and I actually even am ha- acting in a small part in it too. So um, it's 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 a lot. You know, you, you deal with a lot, but um, I, I find that exciting myself. And I think like the end, it makes the final, um, the final uh, run more special, in my opinion. Did you find? Did you um, because it was your own original material? Did you find in certain aspects? Let, let me use for example, in sort of uh, like uh, the casting. Like you explained how this was such a close story to you. I've never had yeah. to do. I've never had to. I've never had to direct or do anything where I'm trying to do something that's really, really close to me. So it's almost like this character almost is you. So how do you cast uh, yourself? You know, like how do you do that? Yeah. Did you did, did you feel like you found the right actor hard. for that? Yeah, it's uh, it, was, it was definitely really hard. I had um, I had a lot of friends of mine um in mind for certain characters, and um. And some of the people who I had in mind um, came in and, and read and, and crushed it, and I ended up casting them. But then some people um, who I was going to cast originally um, were sort of um, beaten by people who I um, who I never met. Who I um, I posted something on backstage, and I actually had I was surprised by how much interest I had on backstage. Um, a lot of a lot of there's a lot of actors. In LA, Patrick. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of people trying to, you know, act out here. So. It's a great spot to be in for um, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had like we had, we had almost 400 people um, submit oh. to um, to audition, and we ended up seeing about like 30. Uh, or no, we saw probably like 20, 25 people in total, and um, you really can just tell um, from the get-go if someone's when you connect to someone. Because you're you're living with this story for so long, and when people are able to um, sort of read your lines and you know make them sound a lot better than you even intended them, um, that's when you sort of know who you're going to cast. And I had I had great people um, read, and I had callbacks and everything. And um, what it came down to was really seeing um, uh, who who had good chemistry. So um, that was. Some of the callbacks actually affected my decision, but but the cast we got is like I couldn't I couldn't be more proud of the cast. Like they're they're taking the um, story to a completely um, different level, and and it's amazing. I ca- I casted people who I know who I've worked with before, and a few people who I've never worked with. Um, but we're really bonding and becoming um, close, and that's another thing that um, you get from theater that I think, at least in my experience you don't get as much in like um, film and television that, you know, the bond you get from like a, working on a, a play together is really, really strong. Um, yeah, but, but I, but it is, it is sometimes hard though because uh, people are like, well, why would this character do that? And I'm like, well, I did that actually. <laughs> My own life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you really have to, yeah, you're really showing your underwear with, when you do that kind of stuff, when you really put yourself out there, you're like, and some people might be like, that's weird, oh, that's exactly what I do, yeah, that's, I, I, I can understand that can be kind of tough, um, yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's, but it's, but it's honest, and that's what's, and that's, and that's what's important, yeah, yeah you know, like, that's, 
like I, I really like when I was when I was originally writing the play. I tried to um, I don't know, I tried to go from an angle from what I thought people would want to um, see or people or characters that people would want to hear. But I I wasn't really going anywhere until I really started drawing from my own experience. And then when you start drawing from your own experience and you know are really honest, that's when you know a real story I think starts to take take shape. My favorite. My favorite part, I know everyone has a whole bunch of different things for but my favorite one of my favorite things about theater is exactly what you were talking about. It's that um DI uh that do it yourself DIY kind of mentality. It's it's like you yeah. said, you can you could do you could you could you could do a film, right? You could do a short film, but you might do a cruddy short because you don't you because you know you need a certain amount of funds and money to do that. And even with theater, yes, you do need a certain amount of things, but there's a lot of things with theater you can especially with sets, which I love sets. I love uh, cre- especially creative sets. Uh-huh. You can do yep. a, you can do a lot being creative, and it's nowhere near as expen- as expensive. And you can pull it off, and you can create real art, and real artistry. What's the kind of situation as far as your direction, as far as the uh, the set goes? I and and let me preface it by understanding if it's nothing too extravagant. I, I understand it's the fringe. That's the that's kind of like the point. Um, but a lot of times. Um, the simplest things can be very effective in a in a play, even if it's not even if it's not a you know uh, a big budget kind of theater show or something like that. Sometimes just the simplest props can make things work really well. Um, what was you, what was your approach? Yeah, and I, I I completely I completely agree with you because um, right from the get go, um, if I see uh, a set that was thrown together last minute and it didn't really mean anything and the set doesn't really affect the um, story it immediately takes me out. And yeah, I completely agree with you on that um, aspect. And um, and with the, the fringe is hard too, because you know, they give you the, they give you the 15 minute load in, 15 minute load out. Um, but, uh, but what's cool about the theater, um, where we're putting our play up in, um, we're putting it up at the new collective. Um, they actually don't have too many shows going up. And I know a few of the um, other shows that are going up before us and after us. So I think um, we're gonna actually be able to have a solid set and it's not gonna be too much of a headache getting it done since we are developing good relationships with these people. But um, the set is pretty minuscule. It, um, all the action either takes place in Charlie, that's the the protagonist, it takes place in um, his apartment or his best friend, um, Phil, and um, Phil's girlfriend Jody's apartment. Um, the podcasts are done in the apartment, and um, they're going to be they're going to be very um, they're going to be very uh, small. But uh, but I really want uh, I really want it to feel real. And um, we're going to create um, basically two living rooms, and um, the two living rooms are definitely going to contrast because Charlie is living by himself and. Um, he, uh, he works part-time at a coffee shop, so he doesn't really have any, any furniture. Again, this is a guy who really doesn't have his stuff together at all, and he really, um, will get a sense of that from his apartment. Um, whereas Phil and Jody, they, they do have their, um, stuff together. Um, one of the big themes about the play is, um, how friendships begin to sort of get, uh, um, you know, tainted or um, struggle as you get older in adulthood 
because of your different drives and your different goals. Um, for example, Charlie is very much um, an artist, and he really doesn't care about having necessarily nice things or a comfortable lifestyle. Um, his whole thing is that he's going to pursue his passion or die trying, and that's the end-all, be-all, which is, which is really great, but it's also, it all, there's also, um, you know, the other side of that story where it can also be somewhat of a selfish life, too. Um, whereas Phil, his best friend, is the complete opposite. He's a very um, logic-oriented person, and his day job is he's actually, an, he's a mechanical engineer, Right. And him and his girlfriend, um, but his girlfriend's kind of like Charlie, where she's a, um, where she's an artist. She's an aspiring dancer. And their big, um, the big tension between them and their relationship is that Jody really wants to move to New York and pursue um, her dream of being a dancer and choreographer because the options in Boston aren't, um, aren't really there for her. Right. And still doesn't want that. She want he wants her to stay. So there's this. There's this um, sort of, you know, question of what um, what to do and how should we do it. And as you get older, you have different sort of opinions on what it takes to have a good life. So that's that's there's a there's a really big um, uh, scene where a, a dinner party goes goes wrong because of these um, tensions that are building up. And but 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 basically. Um, to go back to the, the set, um, that we're going to really try to show that contrast with the sets. How someone really doesn't have his shit together, and you can see it with his apartment, and these people who kind of do um, have their stuff together have a nicer apartment. But you would see there's, there's downsides for both. You were saying that the storyline is, is nothing that's too original and stuff like that, so you, you're kind of downplaying the story a little bit, but you're being honest about it, but... What I would like to know is if it if it's nothing too original like, and stuff like that. What uh, I mean, because they have people have so many choices of shows to see. I mean, they're not and not everyone's like yeah. me who's gonna see like a freaking million shows this week, this this year. I'm gonna see it. So I'm gonna see so many. I I, I can't even believe it. But uh, but um, <laughs> for those pe- for those for those people that have to pick, you know, five out of I I think 358 shows. I think it might be even more. What's what about your show should put them in those seats? Yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I guess I, didn't, I guess I didn't do the best job with marketing my show by saying uh, the storyline is an original. You're being, um, on, you're being honest. You're being honest, though. And the, the, tr- the, truth, the truth of the matter is a lot, a lot of... Uh, even if everything... Everything is... Uh, I, I believe that there's a lot of original stuff, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of great things, a lot of great media art... That take that take from other things. I would say most things take from other things. It's where it's what the original the originality comes from. In my opinion, what you bring to it, and you've been telling me about yeah. the personal story mm-hmm. you've been putting into this and stuff like that and stuff like that. That's something that could only come from you. So it's uh, so that so that you were just being, you're being honest about it. Maybe you that it has sounds like it has some standard um, story plotting, which is you know. Is is important. There's a reason why. Yeah. There's a there's a reason why there's structure and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't, but it doesn't it doesn't mean it's not a good show or anything like that. So I completely understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying. I'm just. I just want to know. Um, what what exactly is it that um, 
is makes makes you makes your show so special that 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 extra five ten percent you know that makes it yours yes um well i think what makes this show um good and worth seeing is the characters are the characters i the characters are um like i said based in truth and they're they're dealing with things that um a lot of people are dealing with um especially my demographic demographic the quote-unquote millennials um are dealing with and and struggling with you know a lot of um, relationships are are becoming harder and harder to have because of our growing reliance on our cell phones, for example, and how people um, are afraid to truly catch up with each other and to truly connect with each other because they're so um, they're so plugged in. And what this what this play reminds you to do is to um, is to not do that and and have the courage of speaking face-to-face with each other. And that's something that um, affects the relationships that these best friends have. Um, it's because in the beginning, they, they, they don't know how to truly connect with each other. And they, they, they learn to, um, and they learn how to do that. And in the end, I think that um, is what theater should do. It should sort of tell honest, true stories that you relate to, and you're able to um, draw parallels, and you're able to sort of um, see how point A leads to point B and point C with those characters, and how um, you can possibly avoid a path you were going down yourself. And there's that, there's that, there's the themes that I'm, that I'm expressing, but I, it's also, a, also has a lot of humor. And it's just, and how I, I ended up, uh, I didn't really intend on it being as much of a comedy as it is, but I think just the way I write, I, um, I try to, I try to see the humor in, um, in everything. And I think you, you need that in life. You know, you need to laugh about things or else it's going to be, it's going to be a lot harder. So, um, because of that, there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of comedy in the show that I think, um, you can, you can, uh, we'll, we'll help you enjoy the, the show. And I think that's, for me, th- those are my favorite stories, my favorite plays, my favorite um, television shows, my favorite movies are movies that are, that are funny, but are surprisingly dramatic and heartfelt. And movies that are stories that allow you to laugh and cry and feel a lot of different types of emotions. And and that's what I that's what I think you'll get from from seeing podcast. And it's really it's refreshing to hear that this is a story about millennials, but not only that it's a story about millennials, but it's a story told from someone who actually is a millennial. Because you just yeah. hear so many negative things about the millennial generation. Me being a, me being one of those me me being one of those millennials. I'm a millennial and stuff like that. Um, and, and you, you hear a lot of negative stuff, lazy, not being able to communicate, don't want to do anything, want to use Uber, want to do all kinds of stuff, never want to actually communicate with and stuff like that. So, and you know, I'm, I'm, and you know, the whole communication thing, there's, 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 there's probably some like legitimacy to that and stuff like that, but it's usually not coming from, it's usually not coming from a voice that's actually a millennial. It's coming from someone older 
or some of that complaining, arguing, saying how much better their generation was, how much harder they worked for at certain times and stuff like that. So I'm actually really excited to uh, hear a story about uh, a, a situation from millennials and hearing it from someone that actually is a millennial and hearing and hearing what you have to say. So I'm I'm very excited to uh, check the check your show out. Um, could you um, t- um awesome. tell tell us um tell us when it is, what theater it is, and um, when people can come and see it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you, um, reaching out to me, Patrick. This is, this is really cool. And I, um, I think the Fringe Festival is such an amazing thing because it allows, um, you to produce, um, your shows and on a low budget and have it, have it produced well because, because of the Fringe, all of these theaters are giving you discounted deals. And um, the whole Fringe Festival um, organization um, sort of uh, allows you a um, platform to sort of release it. And I just, I, I would encourage anyone listening, if you have a story, if you have something that needs to be um, told, definitely do it through um, something like the Fringe because it's, um, it's really fun. It's a very supportive, great community. And, the, and you just reaching out to me is, is amazing. But like a lot of what's great about The Fringe is you see so many different shows. And I've connected um, with so many people from these Fringe events. So there's going to be five performances. We have um, two on June 17th, one at 2 p.m., one at 8 p.m. Um, the fir- and then another one on June 23rd, the following weekend at 8 p.m., and then the final two performances are on June 24th at 2 p.m. and 11 p.m. The show will be going up in the New Collective, which is right next to um, the complex, um, which is where a lot of shows are being done. And let me just get that exact address in front of me. So the exact address of the New Collective LA is 6440 Santa Monica Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, um, zip code 90038. 